Christ is its star, our good its design, and the glory of God its end. This book declares that God loves me as I am, but will not leave me where he finds me. I am not what I can be, but I am not what I used to be. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do, and I can be all that it says I can be. In Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of God's Word. Just two verses of Scripture to get us started this morning. We are leading up to Pentecost Sunday, which is next Sunday. But I'm beginning the two-part series about what Pentecost Sunday represents. Leviticus, believe it or not, going to the Old Testament first. Leviticus chapter 23, verses 12 and 16 says, And you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. Let God's people pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Your word is life. Your word is truth. Please anoint our ears to hear and anoint our hearts to receive what the Spirit of the living God desires to speak into every one of our hearts and lives today. God, we are here to celebrate Pentecost, the power of Pentecost, the point of Pentecost, everything that Pentecost is about, life-giving power breathed into our very souls by God himself. Let us forever be changed today by the truth of your holy word. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen and amen. Before you seated, you know what we do here? Turn around, smile real big, wave at somebody and say, isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. We're talking about the breath of God. When we talk about Pentecost, or when we're talking about the Holy Spirit of God, we are talking about the breath of God. It is God's life-giving power for his people. I heard somebody use this illustration. I wanted to share, share it with us today because I thought it applies so much. In college, students are given the option to audit a college class. What that means is it's distinctly different from actually signing up for a course, paying the tuition for the course, and doing the work of the course. When someone audits a college course, they receive the information, but they don't have to do the work. Let me say that again. They receive the information that the class offers but they don't have to take the exams. They don't have to write the papers. In other words, they don't have to do any investing into that course, and the reason they don't is because at the end of the day, they have the information, but they don't have credit for taking that college course. The point today is when you audit a college course, you receive the information, but you don't have to do the work. Relationships are about investing. 
Relationships have everything to do with what we are willing not just to, to experience, but what we are willing to invest. Our relationship with Christ church requires us to invest in that relationship. See, our relationship with Jesus Christ is really no different in many respects is our relationships with, our, with one another, especially those that we love, our family members, our, especially our spouses. Relationships are about investing. The more that we are willing to put into those relationships, the more we will get out of those relationships. The same is true regarding our relationship with Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? Next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. Today we're beginning a two-part series entitled Breath of God. You see, what's interesting to me is that in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, Old Testament being written primarily in Hebrew, the New Testament primarily being written in Greek, both those terms, respectively speaking, the Hebrew term and the Greek term, may be translated into the English as breath or as wind. So when we talk about the Spirit of God, we are talking about God's life-giving force, life-giving, life-giving power that He desires to breathe into every one of our hearts and every one of our lives. The occasion of Pentecost is very significant to the church and on the Christian calendar. And the occasion of Pentecost is rooted in Acts chapter 2 of the New Testament. We celebrate Pentecost when the Holy Spirit of God descended on the apostles who were gathered in the upper room in the Jerusalem temple. The Holy Spirit endows us as the church with His power to do the work of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is given to us as a church to carry on, on this earth, what Jesus began to do some 2,000 years ago. You see, when Jesus ascended from the tomb and ascended into heaven to be with the Heavenly Father, His work did not end. As a matter of fact, His work was only beginning. His work was beginning in and through the church of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus Christ has left you and me with the great commission to go into all the world and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In other words, you're not just, we're not just interested in the information of Jesus Christ, but we desire the transformation of Jesus Christ in our lives. Now look, it begins with the information. That's where it begins. But I want you to understand today, God doesn't want us to stop there. Can somebody say amen? God wants us to do what? God wants you and me as the church of Jesus Christ to press forward, to press deeper and deeper into His presence, deeper and deeper into His glory, until we experience not just the information of God's Word, 
But praise God that we experience the transformation power of the Holy Ghost of God. Can somebody put your hands together today and give Jesus a hand clap of praise? The power of Pentecost is for those who are willing to invest everything in the kingdom of God. It is God's desire, folks, for you and me to live victoriously in this life. Now, I know when you hear statements like that, you may ask the question, well, how in the world are we able to do that in such a chaotic, high-stress, high-pressured life that we're living in? Well, the world cannot give you that kind of power, friend. The world does not hold the answer to that question, but I can tell you who does. It is God Almighty who holds the answer to that question. And God Almighty is here to give His church power, transformational power, not just informational but transformational power that will enable us by the power of the Holy Ghost to live victoriously in this lost and dying world in which we live. What I'm trying to say this morning is God has something a whole lot better for you than this world has to offer to you. God has a life that he wants his people and his church to experience that comes by the anointing and the enabling of the power of God's Holy Spirit. You see, before the experience of Pentecost, the disciples were hiding from the public for fear that what, they had, that what had happened to Jesus Christ, and we know what happened to Jesus, right? He was crucified on the cross. They said, well, if Jesus was crucified on the cross, what would they do to us? They were concerned, they were tentative about what Jesus had commissioned them to do. But it was after their experience in the upper room in Acts chapter 2, the experience of Pentecost, that those same frightened men had become suddenly and miraculously equipped and empowered to carry on the earthly ministry that Jesus Christ had commissioned them to carry on. The question is, what happened? What happened to those fearful few in that upper room come Acts chapter 2? They, they were endued with the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost of God to carry out what Jesus had commissioned them to do. Jesus does not give us a responsibility without giving us the authority and the power to carry out that responsibility. That comes with Pentecostal experience through Jesus Christ. You see, after Pentecost, those same frightened men had become suddenly and miraculously equipped and empowered to carry on the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. These were uneducated men for the most part. These were not learned men, if you will. But these were men, now hang on right here. These were men who had a passion for Christ. 
These were men who had a desire to follow Jesus wherever Jesus would lead them. These were individuals, not just men rather, men and women, who had a desire to love God, to serve God, to follow God wherever he would lead and do what the Lord had called them to do. They dared to believe on Jesus and his power. God answered that desire with Pentecost. But when we, when we understand what Pentecost is about, you know me, I have to go back to the Old Testament and, and, and start there because Pentecost did not begin in Acts chapter 2. Pentecost began in the Old Testament all the way back in Exodus chapter 19. Let me read a few verses of scripture there to get us started this morning. Exodus chapter 19, verse 10 and following, the word of God says, And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Verse 18. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace and the whole mountain trembled violently. You see, the same day that Israel gathered at Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments, the same day that Israel would enter into a covenant relationship with the God of heaven, would later be observed by Israel and later the church as the occasion of Pentecost. To begin, let's talk about the point of Pentecost. What's the point of it all? The word Pentecost, first of all, means 50. That's all it means, 50. The Feast of Pentecost took place 50 days after the observation of the first fruits in Israel. The Feast of Pentecost is also known as the Feast of Weeks in the Old Covenant. And it signified the introduction of the harvest season, specifically the wheat harvest. The first Pentecost happened 50 days after Israel passed through the Red Sea on their journey from Egypt to the Promised Land. It was 50 days after passing through the Red Sea that Moses and Israel were brought into a covenant relationship with God which was instituted at Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai was also the location that God gave to the Israelites the Ten Commandments. I want you to understand when God gave Israel the Ten Commandments, He gave them those Ten Commandments. Those commandments were the covenant vows of their relationship. Just as we have marriage vows today when a man and a woman enter into the holy matrimony of, of marriage, the Ten Commandments serve to, between God and Israel as the vows of the covenant of their relationship. The closest thing we have to a covenant relationship today is again is the marriage relationship. That was the Old Testament occasion of Pentecost. Now let's look at the New Testament occasion of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. The Word of God says... When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. 
And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues or other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. These biblical events represent two different time periods, of course. These two biblical events represent two different occasions and two different epiphanies of God. However, it is when we first, when we examine the first Pentecost in Acts chapter 16, with the New Testament Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, that we begin to see some very obvious similarities. Let me share just a couple with you today. Both of these occasions, one in the Old Testament, the other in the New Testament, both of these occasions of Pentecost included signs and wonders. They included signs and wonders. In Exodus chapters 19 and 20, Pentecost was the day that God revealed himself to his people in demonstrations of power. Demonstrations of power. In Acts chapter 2, when those who were gathered in the upper room after Jesus' resurrection from the dead and his ascension to sit at the right hand of the Father in glory. In Acts chapter 2, the New Testament Pentecost was the day that God revealed himself to his church with demonstrations of power. Acts chapter 2 verse 2 says, Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. The purpose, the purpose of Pentecost was God bringing his chosen people into covenant relationship with himself. That was true in the old covenant and that was true and is true in the new covenant. You see, and here's the point. First of all, please understand that before we chose God, God chose us. As a matter of fact, look at somebody today and say, hey, cheer up, God chose you. I said God chose us before we chose God. He loved us first, folks. We didn't love God first. God chose to love us. John 3, 16 says it best, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, God wants to be first in our lives, doesn't he? God wants to be first. God wants to be number one in your life. God wants to be number one in your life responsibilities. God wants to be number one in your family. He wants to be number one in your marriage. And by all means, God wants to be number one in the church. The Bible says that God is a jealous God. But listen, God's not jealous of you. God is jealous for you. It's a big difference. Don't get those two mixed up. 
God is jealous for you, not of you. In other words, God doesn't want to share you with any other false gods of this world. Listen, God wants you all to himself. Go ahead and give him a hand clap of praise. The Lord God, the only true God, this is the point of his demonstrations of power in both covenants, the first covenant and the second covenant. You see, Israel, whom God was bringing into covenant relationship with himself under the old covenant, was living among the Egyptian people. Many of them had grown up, actually all of them had grown up among the Egyptian society. And they knew that those Egyptians had many gods. They worshipped all kinds of gods in Egypt. Kind of reminds me of our society today, as a matter of fact. We got people worshipping all kinds of things and all kinds of God today. But this is the point of Pentecost, is that God wanted his people to know that he was not like all those other gods. God demonstrated his power in both cases because he wanted his covenant people to know that he was a God of power. That he was a God unlike all the other false gods of this world. He was a God who was unlike all the other false gods of this earth. He was not just a God in name, but he was a God of power. Earth-shaking power. Life-changing power. Sin-redeeming power. Church, I said the God that we serve is not like the gods of this world. The church of Jesus Christ serves a God of transformational power today. Jesus did not only die on the cross to forgive us, friend. Jesus Christ died on the cross to grant us his life-changing, transformational power of the Holy Ghost of God. Can somebody give God praise in this place this morning? See, God doesn't want to share you with anybody, with any, with any other gods. First of all, all other gods are really not gods at all. They're demon gods and they're powerless to change your life. But the God of heaven, he holds the power to transform our lives. I said Jesus Christ not only died to forgive us of our sins, Jesus Christ died to deliver us from our sins and enable us to live the life that he wants for every one of us to experience in the person of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost. That means you don't, have to, you don't have to let the devil kick you around anymore. You don't have to let the enemy drag you through the mud. You don't have to let Satan bully you as a child of God. Listen to me. That is not God's will for your life. But praise be unto Almighty God. He gives us and offers us His Pentecostal power, life-changing power, transforming power to deliver us 
not just forgive us, but to deliver us from the bondage and from the oppression of sin itself. Oh, somebody needs to give God praise in the house today. The purpose of Pentecost was the occasion of Jehovah God bringing his people into a covenant relationship with himself. It was the fulfillment of the prophecy given to us in the Old Testament in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. Fulfilling Joel's prophecy in saying, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Say all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. We celebrate Pentecost because Pentecost was the occasion that God did something miraculous that he had never done before. God poured his spirit not only on believers, he didn't just pour his spirit on them. Now, under the old covenant, God would place his spirit, his anointing on individuals. But I want you to understand, thanks to the work that Jesus Christ did for you and me on the cross of Calvary, in Acts chapter 2, God not only placed his spirit upon his church, but God breathed his spirit into the hearts and lives of his church. Do you understand what I'm talking about this morning? I'm trying to share today that God took it a step further. God is not satisfied with being on the outside of our lives. You get what I'm saying? God is not content with us putting him and keeping him on the outer fringes of our lives, the outer fringes of our families and our marriages, and even the outer fringes of our churches. Listen, there are many churches today, and I don't mean to be negative today, but, but you know what I'm talking about. There are many churches today, they want to keep the power and the reality of that power at arm's length. They want to stay comfortable in their religion. But I'm here to tell you something today, church. Religion by itself is not able to give you the life-changing Pentecostal power of the Holy Ghost that God desires for His church to have. God wants you to experience Pentecostal power. God wants you to experience life changing transformational power today that is given to us through Christ's sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. You see, until Jesus died, until Jesus shed his blood, atoning blood for our sins, God could not do what he wanted to do. But oh, the cross of Calvary, friend, changed all of that. So Jesus told his disciples, he said, go to Jerusalem and do what? Tarry. Go to Jerusalem and wait 
on the Lord. Wait on the gift of the Holy Spirit of God. You see, Jesus knew that his disciples needed something more than just their own simple knowledge to do what God had called the church to do. Jesus Christ knew that in order for the church to carry out the great commission that he had given to them to carry out, the church needed to experience the Pentecostal power of the Holy Ghost. They needed to experience life-changing, transformational, delivering power of God's Holy Spirit. Friend, I want you to understand the one thing that separates the gospel of Jesus Christ from all the other philosophies of this earth. What makes the gospel the gospel and not just another philosophy is the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And if all we're doing as a church is communicating information, then we are selling ourselves. Come on now, somebody help this preacher preach this morning. We are selling ourselves short as a church and we don't believe that we're being pleasing to the Lord. God has called his church to experience Pentecostal power because that is what this world needs and that's what this church needs in order to do what God has commissioned us to do. Somebody give God praise in this place. Jesus knew what his disciples were going to have to face. Christ understood the intensity of the persecution that the early believers are going to have to endure. Now I know here in the United States of America we're not experiencing that intense of persecution. Oh, I'm not saying we're not experiencing persecution. I know we are. I know you experience some type of persecution on the job. I'm sure our teens and our children are experiencing some form of persecution in our schools if they're going to the public school systems. But I want you to understand, we have no idea the intensity of the persecution that the early church was going to come under. But Jesus Christ knew the intensity of that persecution. And Jesus Christ knew that just having the information of the gospel would not be enough. Jesus Christ knew that the church was going to need the transformational power of the Holy Ghost to make the kind of difference in this lost and dying world that God of heaven has called his church to make. Somebody give God praise in this house today while I catch my breath. Jesus knew that the information alone would never carry the early church through the adversities that they would have to experience for the sake of the gospel. Jesus said in Luke 24 and 49, he said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Jesus was telling his disciples, don't get ahead of God. Don't try to carry out the purpose of the point of Pentecost without the power of Pentecost. 
That's why so many churches today are ineffective in what they're trying to do. They have the information, but they're not offering the transformational power of the Holy Ghost. Now let's talk about the power of Pentecost. Somebody said, Pastor, I thought you were finishing up. No, I'm not quite there yet. Hang on for about 10 more minutes, but don't time me on that. (laughs) We're talking about the power of Pentecost. When God initially reveals himself, the first thing God reveals about himself is his power. Say power. Exodus chapter 19 and Acts chapter 2, God demonstrated His power through signs and wonders. When God first revealed Himself to Moses, it was through a burning bush experience. The bush was on fire, but the bush was miraculously not consumed. When God revealed Himself even to Pharaoh, It was through the demonstrations of power by cursing the false gods that Egypt worshipped. What was God doing? God was demonstrating to Pharaoh. Yes, I said Pharaoh. God was demonstrating to the people of Egypt as well as to the people of Israel that he was not like the false gods that they were serving. God Jehovah is different. God brought ten plagues upon Egypt, each to demonstrate his supremacy. Ten plagues representing the ten primary false gods of the Egyptian people, demonstrating his superiority over them, demonstrating that he was not like those demon gods that they were serving. Listen, it is so important for everybody under the sound of my voice to hear this. The times that we are living in are only going to grow more intense with time. There is going to become a greater and more distinct separation between the church of Jesus Christ and this ungodly world. And there's going to come a time when you and I are going to have to make a stand upon the word of the living God. And friend, the only way we're going to be able to do that is by the power, the Pentecostal power of the Holy Ghost to stand upon his word. It's going to take Pentecostal power, church, The information alone is not going to be enough. We're going to have to experience the transformational power of the Holy Ghost. Listen, I want our children to understand what Pentecostal power is all about. I don't want Pentecost to become a thing of the past in a Pentecostal church. God forbid. I want our children and our children's children for a thousand generations to come if the Lord would permit to experience the same kind of Pentecostal power that I experience in my walk with the Lord. I want them to experience the same authenticity of the Pentecostal power that Grandma and Grandpa experienced and those before them because guess what? My Bible tells me that our God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
So what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying the same God who poured out his Pentecostal power on those upper room believers in Acts chapter 2 is still the same God today. And he's still willing and he is still ready to endue those who have a hungry heart with the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost, Pentecostal power of Almighty God. When God revealed himself to King Nebuchadnezzar, it was through the divine deliverance of the three Hebrew children from the fiery furnace in Daniel chapter 3. When God revealed himself to Israel, it was by the ten plagues of Egypt. Later on, God revealed himself to Israel by parting the Red Sea and allowing his people to walk across the Red Sea on dry ground. God reveals himself in power. He he demonstrated that he was a God of power to his people Israel when they were in the wilderness and going without food and begin to cry out to Moses. God supernaturally rained down manna from heaven. God supernaturally called water from a rock. God demonstrated to his people that he was a supernatural God. Church, the God that you serve is a supernatural God. That means he is above nature. He is, he's, he's not limited like you and I are limited. God has no limitation. That's why Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened to you. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. God wanted Israel to know that the God that they were entering into covenant relationship with was not a man-made God. God wanted his church to know that the same God who cast out unclean spirit in Jesus' earthly ministry, he wanted his church to know that the same God who, who opened blinded eyes in Jesus' earthly ministry, He wanted the church to know that the same God who raised Christ from the dead even is the same God that will endow his church with Holy Ghost Pentecostal power to live a life that God desires for us to live. But not only that, to enable us with the power of the Holy Ghost to effectively share the gospel of Jesus with the lost and dying world. Because I've got news for you. The world is not so much concerned with the information. We are, and of course we should be. But what the world, folks, is looking for is something that's going to change their sin-sick, miserable lives. And they're looking to the church and they're asking, does the church have the answer? And I stand before you today as your pastor and I declare in the name of Jesus Christ, yes, the church has the answer. Yes, the church offers the solution because that solution is none other than Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who holds the power to deliver those who are dying in their sins.
God Jehovah is the same God who shook the mountain at Mount Sinai. God Jehovah shook the mountain. He rained down his presence upon those who gathered in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. Pastor Steve, if you will come and play softly on the keyboard today, we're going to pray and bring this in for a landing. You see, now I don't know about you. I think I know about you, but I do know about me. I don't have to ask about that. I know as far as me and my own life experience, I need a God who can shake the mountains. Come on now. I don't need a dead God. You don't need a powerless God. Sounds good, looks good, but it's powerless to change the human heart. We need a mountain-moving God. We need an earth-shaking God. We need a God who is able not only to forgive us for our sins, but to deliver us from our sins. We need a God who can not only hear us when we pray for healing, but has the power to heal our broken bodies, to heal our broken homes, to mend our broken marriages, to put together the pieces that this sin-sick world has shattered into a billion pieces. We need a God who can do what this world cannot do. That's the kind of God that the church serves in this 21st century. Friend, he hasn't changed. This is what I believe God has wanted me to share with you today. He hasn't changed. He's still the same today. He's still a God who will move the mountains for your life. He's still the God who will perform the miracles in your desperate situation. Will you please stand with me this morning? We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Two things I want to do before we pray and we're dismissed. Number one is this. If you're here today and you need a mountain moved in your life, and if you're here today and you truly believe that that we serve a mountain-moving God, and you believe, you dare to believe today that God is willing and able to move that mountain for you, I want you to raise your hand right where you're standing in the name of Jesus. Hold that hand up and keep it up real high. I'm turning this entire congregation into an altar service this morning. Keep that hand up high in the name of Jesus Christ. Listen to me, if you are here today, you can put your hands down now. If you're here today, you need a miracle in your life and you believe that we serve a miracle-working God, I want you to raise your hand. If you need a miracle, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for raising that hand. This morning, listen, I'm going to share real quickly. My wife and I, we have a friend of ours who needs a miracle. I'm not going to say your name, but I will say this. We know somebody, she is getting ready for a heart transplant.
She's in the hospital right now. And they're preparing her for a heart transplant as soon as an available heart comes available. She needs a miracle. If you're like that, you need a, a divine miracle today. Maybe it's not a physical heart transplant. You probably wouldn't be here. But if you need a miracle like that, I want you to raise your hand one more time. Say, God, what you're doing, you're saying, God, I believe. You're a miracle working God. God, I believe you're not like all the demon gods of this world, but you are a God of Pentecostal power. You are a God who has the ability to change people's hearts, deliver us from the bondage of sin, and perform every miracle in my life. Church family, will you join them by raising both hands toward heaven right now as we stand in the gap in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know all the names, but you know who you are and you know the person that you feel led to stand in for today. And I want you to speak those names today even as the Holy Spirit leads you to do so right now. And let's pray together, church, in the name of Jesus Christ, that God will perform miracles where the miracles are needed today. Right now, let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we're believing you today for miracles. We're believing you today, God, for your Pentecostal power. We're believing you today, God, to carry out your grace that is sufficient for all our needs. God, you see these today. Who needs mountains to be moved? God, we're believing you to be the mountain-moving God that you really are. We're believing you, God, to move these mountains in the name of Jesus Christ, to perform these miracles, Almighty God, in the name of Jesus Christ. We're believing you today, God, to enter into the hospital rooms of people like our friend who's getting ready for a heart transplant. God, you are the great physician. Your grace is sufficient today. And we're believing you for miracles, God, that will only come by the miracle-working hand of God himself. We're believing you today for Pentecostal power on behalf of your people, on behalf of these needs, on behalf of these miracles in the name of Jesus Christ. God, we're believing you finally today for breakthroughs in our spiritual walk with you. God, I'm believing you for breakthroughs, breakthroughs, breakthroughs for your church breakthroughs for your people, breakthroughs for your children, that we will not only have the information of the gospel, but that we will experience the Pentecostal power of your gospel as well. God, endow us today with the Holy Ghost. Baptize us today with the Pentecostal power that only comes from the throne room of God itself. Baptize us with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. God, let our children and our children's children taste and see that the Lord is good and His power is Pentecostal power. 
that delivers us from our sin, that heals the broken hearted, that mends the broken relationships of this earth and is able to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And Lord God, right now, in the name of Jesus, we surrender ourselves to you right now in the name of Jesus. And speak to our hearts, O oh God, and prepare our hearts, O oh God. Prepare our hearts to receive right now in the name of Jesus Christ, your glorious presence and your glorious power in our lives. And we give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. And I want you to do something before we leave. I'm going to ask this praise team to lead us in a chorus as y'all see fit. And as they sing, I just want you to throw your hands toward heaven and say, God, give me Pentecostal power that you know I need today and receive it by faith in the name of Jesus. Will you do that with me right now? God, give us your Pentecostal power in the name of Jesus Christ. Rain it down in our lives. Rain it down in our church. Rain it down in our marriages, in our families, in our homes. We may not understand everything there is to understand about it, but God, all we know is that we need to experience your Pentecostal power in our lives. And we acknowledge you, God, right now. Rain down your presence. Rain down your glory. Rain down your anointing right now in this place. And meet us and touch us and endue us with the power of your Holy Spirit, oh God. In the name of Jesus, can you just continue to worship him today? We praise you, oh God. We glorify your name. Yes, God, we praise you today. Just praise him today. Love on Jesus today, church. Tell him how much you love him. Tell him how much he means to you. We lift up our voices to you, Almighty God. We glorify your name. We cry out to you, O God. We're not satisfied, God. We're not content, God. Baptize. Baptize our children. Baptize us. Baptize your church with Pentecostal power today. We lift up our hearts and voices to you, O oh God. We glorify your name. We glorify your name. We magnify your name, O oh God. Praise you. Yes, we do. Oh, Lord, we praise you. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we praise you. Oh, Lord. Lord, we praise you. Yes, Lord. 
one more time. Church, sing it from your hearts today. Yes, we do. Christ. God, it is our prayer this week that you will stir up a hunger within us, a hunger and a thirst to experience more of you in our lives, more of your glory in our hearts, more of your power in our families, in our marriages, in our homes, as well as our churches. God, we refuse to be content with what you've done in the past. But oh God, we hunger and we thirst for a fresh dose of the Holy Ghost in our lives. A fresh dose of the Holy Ghost in our church. We need your Pentecostal power and we will hunger and we will thirst and we will pray for that Pentecostal power, God, until you hear our prayers, until you endow us with the same power that you endowed those in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. Let the power of the Holy Ghost fall fresh on us. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. We ask these things together. And the whole church said, Amen and amen. Can we give God a great big hand clap of praise today? Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your Pentecostal power that you offer to us as a church. God bless you. Thank you for being with us today. Come back and be with us next time. Please tune in to our church website. Got a lot of information there for you. We're opening ministries back up offering classes on Wednesday nights as well as Sunday mornings. Stay in tune with us. God bless you. We love you, and you are dismissed. God bless you.